0: This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports.
1: I thought our guys played hard. We can definitely play harder, um, but yeah, tough, tough way to finish up. You know, getting our butts kicked in sack, getting our butts kicked tonight. And uh, as I told our players just now, we got one game to go before the break, and uh, I did not want to go into the break with a three-game losing streak. That would make for a miserable All-Star break. So, let's go home, try to get right, get healthy with KCP, get healthy with Jamal and uh, find a way to win a get-home game uh, going into a much-needed All-Star break.
0: Winds are nice, but health is the priority right now for the Denver Nuggets. You can hear Michael Malone right there talking about it. Joining us to talk more about it is our own Ryan Blackburn. You can find him on social at NBA Blackburn, the host of the uh, Alley Oop podcast, the host of the Pickaxe and Roll podcast, And uh, Ryan, thank you for joining us. And we're looking forward to, uh, I think we can talk about that right now. The expectation is that every Tuesday going forward for the rest of the Nuggets season, we'll be able to break things down with you. So we're thrilled to be able to have an opportunity to do that. And let's start, I guess, with the elephant in the room. The Nuggets... Hope to have Jamal Murray and KCP back. They were for a little while. I'd hear Michael Malone explain it. KCP did not feel well. Malone immediately pulled him. Murray said he didn't feel 100% right, but wanted to play out the half. Malone uh, indulged, and then that was that. Sandy broke it down earlier in the program. The schedule right now as it stands, from now until roughly the 25th, gives the Nuggets ample opportunity to rest these guys before you run into a streak of big-time games that are nationally televised against some of the best teams in the league. What do you suspect the nuggets will do?
2: Yeah. I think they're going to probably go that route. I think they are most likely going to like, because of, of, over the course of these past couple of weeks, I think we've really fully fleshed out the fact that Denver's got to be healthy in order to win a championship. There's no other way that they can do it right They They have a starting five that fits, as perfectly together as any in the league, has as much talent as any in the league. But behind that, and when you start mixing in guys, and when you start introducing a ninth, tenth, or eleventh man into things, is where it gets pretty delicate. And for Denver, like, yeah, you have to go into the playoffs healthy. That is the most important thing. It's more important than getting a one seed, it's more important than Nicole <laughs> Jokic winning an MVP. Yes. It is all about getting to the playoffs as healthy as possible. The all-star break, as well as the end of the season, when the play in tournament occurs, those are the two segments of time that I look at for Denver to get as healthy as possible. And if they can approach that in a, in the correct way and make everybody uh, as, as healthy as possible into that, then they'll probably be okay.
1: You're exactly right. It's a matter of two weeks, right? Because, unless they're in the play-in tournament, which they certainly won't be. Uh, They get a week off after the regular season ends while they play the play-in tournament, and they get a week off at the break. Uh, In fact, between the 14th and uh, the 22nd, they have no games. So I I was making the point earlier, uh, I think coming out of the break, the Nuggets have a home game with Washington, and then a back-to-back the next night they're in Portland. After that, Ryan, they're on national TV six times in the next nine games uh, at Golden State, home and home with Miami, at the Lakers, home to Phoenix, home to Boston. All games are on ESPN or TNT or ABC, whatever. Uh, That that will give us, I think, a better sense than any other set of regular season games as to where they stand, and – Of course, the most important thing is being healthy for the playoffs. And maybe the second most important thing is being more or less fully healthy for that stretch. Because based on where they are right now, I mean, there's a virtual tie. There really is among the top four teams in the West. And if one has the edge, it's probably Minnesota. But after that, if you're looking at number two, it's probably Denver, uh, given the road home schedules that have played out so far. Clippers have lost a couple at home recently to two two good teams, obviously. Minnesota uh, beat them last night and then New Orleans. Uh, The one thing, though, and Malone sort of alluded to it, and I want to get your comment on it. The Nuggets, I don't believe have been blown out in consecutive games this year before they were blown out last night in Milwaukee. Am I right on that? I don't think they've been blown out in two straight games.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll take it a step further. They haven't lost back-to-back games since early December. Okay. It's it's very rare for yeah. this team to kind of let it spiral here. So uh, the last time they lost more than one game in a row was around that time where – yeah, Jokic had a he had a bad shooting game against the the Clippers right. in LA that. and went nine of thirty two. Right, kind of carried over into the next game and then started figuring some things out. But they lost both of those. That was a part of a three game losing streak. Right. And I, I will give Denver this credit. I've been pretty hard on them online. I've been pretty difficult in in terms of the the expectations that I want them to abide by from a championship caliber perspective. But when you don't lose back to back games for two full months, you are <laughs> you doing okay. You're doing, you're doing okay. You are doing you are doing okay. They, all of these are picking nits, right? Like right. you want to make right. sure you are looking perfect. And I, I compare it back to last year, where I thought that that stretch from December to February that they had was the best stretch of Nuggets basketball I've ever seen. And I'm I'm 27 years old, so I can't speak to necessarily all the times back in the 80s and 90s. Oh, I can.
1: And you were right. I can, and you were right.
2: There's no doubt that you gold, were right. The golden age of Nuggets basketball. I this is the golden they, age. You're right. I, I agree, but I, I feel like we saw that peak last year. And I haven't seen a stretch so far this year where I can point to that and be like, okay, that's Nuggets basketball for oh, eight, again, nine uh, games. But throughout. aren't the
1: records through two thirds of the season almost identical between last You're year and right. this
2: year? Absolutely, which is why it's such a dichotomy for me because I can look at the numbers and I can look at the records and say, Yeah, this is about the same. This is about where they were. They weren't perfect last year. They they had a poor defense. But they did have an elite offense and that I think has kind of fallen a little bit back this year and there are some detailed things that I look at and are, are, I take a little bit of issue with. There's some inexperience, obviously, with this second unit that we can talk about ad nauseum. But I, I look at it and say, yeah, I mean, these are details. These are, these are details that I'm not necessarily super worried about in the playoffs when Denver goes 40 minutes per game for each of their starting five. Yes,
1: that's the point. It's, and it's true in college basketball, too. When you get to the tournament, you, you're not playing as many people. It's true in the NBA playoffs. It's true in uh, during March Madness. You don't play as one many One of the guys.
2: one of the things that I'm I'm a little bit miffed by is that Denver at this stage, they it seems like yes, they have their eight guys. They have their eight players with Reggie Jackson, Christian Baum, Peyton Watson. And it doesn't look like they're going to really seriously consider buyout options. Thaddeus Young, for example. Right. Not necessarily. Yeah a great like player right now, but he is the type of guy that you'd look to that could be added as an approximation of what you had with Jeff green last year and the nuggets. They just have sort of passed by a lot of those opportunities They passed by some of those opportunities at the trade deadline. They've decided that this is going to be their group. And I just get a little bit queasy about that because asking them to just replicate what happened last year, when teams are going to be a little bit more ready for Denver this time around, where the Western Conference, it was a shell last year, where the the Warriors were shaky, the Lakers were shaky, those teams are still shaky, but in their place, like, the Clippers look way better, the Thunder look way better, the Tebow look way better. Of course. All of these teams, I think you can point to and say, okay, it's going to be a tougher road this year, and I, I think the Nuggets know that, but not really doing anything about it from a personnel standpoint, I think is a mistake. And yet I can't point to anything specifically where I was like, okay, they should have done this. They should have done that because you still have your eight. So you got to believe in
0: that group. I'm with you on that, Ryan, because I, I have the exact same feeling. It feels like the nuggets need to add, but actually looking at who they, they need to add is problematic. Obviously we understand where their cap situation is. We understand that they pretty much have to be involved in the buyout market. And you look at the players that kind of come and they go and you think, well, would they really have been a difference maker for this team? And no, then it brings me back to the beginning of the, uh, of the season when Calvin Booth sort of put his foot in his mouth and he talked about bones Highland and Michael Porter jr. And kind of, you know, crunch those situations together. But that, that was sort of an aside Except that both couldn't play any. Defense. Right. That was and an aside from the, the real guy point. Who made all the money. Yeah. And, and, and that I, he had to walk those back obviously, but, the, the thrust of that entire interview with, with the ringer was fascinating to me because I thought the cogent point was when he looked at the idea of dynasty, he understood that it might not be back-to-back. Maybe it's three and four years. Maybe it's three and five years. Maybe it's different than nice the way we all see. Yeah, maybe we look at that's it differently. A dynasty, right? I, I think it is. And I think when you look in modern sports with salary caps, I think that's how they kind of shake out then it may very well be that the Nuggets aren't willing to sell out and trade picks and things like that that they know they will need on the chance that, you know what, maybe they're going to come close, but maybe this won't be their year, and it doesn't mean the sky is falling because they'll reload for the next season, and it does feel very much as if that's the plan, and that's not a shock because Calvin Booth himself explained, that's the plan.
2: It is the plan, and that might be true and it might be fine, and it might work out, and Denver might thread the needle this year where they still win the championship anyway because they're still so good. Um, I just I, I get a little bit queasy about it because it feels like playing with fire where you just never know. Like, Are you going to be able to keep this starting lineup together in a peak form? Like, Is there going to be another starting lineup that pops up that's better than the group that you have assembled right now? Wouldn't it be wiser to invest in the peak time that you have rather than trying to elongate the window because you just never know. And like with what the warriors are currently dealing with right now, where guys like Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody and before them, James Wiseman, uh, where you're trying to add those guys, those young pieces
0: into a veteran group. That young was ready high draft win. picks, mind you, I mean, high draft picks.
2: And because of how high and because of how like, how did they were they had to play they had to be within that mix and they weren't ready and like i think that peyton watson has a very very bright future in this league i think that christian brown can't like they caught lightning in a bottle with him last year he's regressed a little this year unfortunately uh julian strother like asking him to be one of those guys he never really was and, and like that's that's gonna take a little bit for him to be ready but Denver at the off season last year decided they were going to go with Julian Strather, Jalen Pickett, Hunter Tyson as three of their 15 guaranteed roster spots. You add in Deandre Jordan, Black Chan Charter's ACL. Unfortunate as that was for, to be clear, that is five of your 15 that are like, not necessarily at the highest level for the playoffs. And, Zeke Naji has busted this year in a way that nobody could have really forced nah,
0: not nobody. So, Just well, saying.
2: <laughs> enough people could have forced me. <laughs> so that is quite literally 40% of your roster, your playing roster for the playoffs, that you're not really going to be able to count on for heavy minutes in a playoff series. What you have left is Reggie Jackson, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, and Justin Holliday as your four bench guys, and then your five starters. It's just so much pressure to put on your top five, and I am a little bit queasy about it.
1: I, 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 would, I understand, but I also know that in the playoffs, you don't have to play Oklahoma City and Minnesota and New York and Cleveland. One or two of those teams, maybe. All four of them, you don't have to play. You know where I'm going with this. You throw Houston into that mix. That's five teams against whom the Nuggets are two and nine. Against the other two dozen teams in the league, they're 34 and nine. I, I, I'm just not worried. You're not going to see New York and Cleveland most likely in the playoffs because they're in the other conference. And, you know, maybe one of them will upset the apple cart the way Miami did last year, but I, I don't think that's likely. I, I don't think, I just don't think they'll have to beat both Minnesota and Oklahoma City. One, yes. Both know, and Houston won't make the playoffs. So okay, there'll be one series, one, and probably a Western Conference series that will be challenging. And obviously, they got Boston in the finals. That would be challenging. But they've they've won in Boston this year yeah. when they when they're mm-hmm. right and they're keen. See, I look at some of these these big games on a national stage like Boston and the Lakers last Thursday. And to me, the Nuggets have looked like the best team in the league in both games. They were playing the team that was supposed to be the best team in Boston. They beat them. And they were playing a Lakers last Thursday night. That was the Lakers' A game, if not their A-plus game. And that's as well as the Lakers can play. And it's a tie game with a minute 56 left, and the Nuggets score what? Ten straight points, or whatever it was, and beat them by eight in the last two minutes of the game. I I just think when they have to rise the occasion, they they do rise the occasion. And as long as they are healthy, you know, the Nuggets remind me a little bit of that Portland team, the the first year after the merger took place, that was forty eight and thirty four, and didn't even have home court in the playoffs against Denver beat the Nuggets in six games, went on, won the title, started the next year 50-10, and and Bill Walton hurt his foot and was never the same player ever again, although he did play on another championship team in Boston later on. He was a great six-man when he didn't have to play a lot of minutes. What I'm saying is that Portland team would have won two, three championships, I believe, without Walton's foot breaking on it. That the, that team would have won back to back. I know the Nuggets aren't fifty and ten, but I I just think if they're healthy and they remain healthy for the next two three years after this and relatively intact, I understand what you said. That you know I think they're going along the way over the next five years, three years from now, four years from now, whatever they're going to have to choose between Gordon and Porter. So they won't have this starting five together for the next five years. They won't. Uh, I understand that, but I think if they're healthy right now, I'd pick them honestly against just about everybody with or without home court.
0: Ryan, before before you go, uh, obviously you're here to talk about the Nuggets, and we want to remind people to go check you out, at NBA Blackburn on social, the Pickaxe and Roll podcast, the LU podcast, everything you put in together, at My Life Sports. But I, I want to get your thoughts on the Super Bowl because. Uh, I assume you were rooting for the forty ers but an ex-teammate of yours at least showed out.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. So for for those that don't know, I attended uh Valor Christian High School back in the day and overlapped very significantly with uh one of one of the main forty ers in the game, Christian McCaffrey. He uh He and I played together. He and I, like, I'm not going to lie and sit here and say that we had this awesome relationship during that time, but we played together for three years. And uh, he was in the running backs room and the DBs room for the most part. And I was in the O-line D line room. And uh, he he was great, man. And it was, it's always fun to be able to watch him and to see his, to see just where somebody like that a Colorado kid can go. I, I mean, he's just next level and, and, Being able to see that was super, super cool. Uh, We played together for three years, and uh, he was uh, just the best athlete that I've ever faced or played against or with in person.
0: Well, it is obviously kind of a fun moment to be able to see that when they move along. And we'll talk about another kid from Colorado that's moving along and doing pretty amazing things as well a little later. But make sure you give Ryan Blackburn a follow, NBA Blackburn, and check out everything at mylaysports.com or get the app. You have it all in your pocket, the podcasts, the stories, all of it, all in one spot. Ryan, great to talk to you. Thanks so much. We'll catch you next week.
2: Thanks, Bell. See you next week.
0: All right, thanks so much. Ryan Blackburn joining us. And we'll be doing so for the rest of the season. be great on Tuesdays. Well, we go back to football there. We kind of talked about that a little bit with Christian McCaffrey. The offseason is upon us. The Denver Broncos have a big decision to make. Are they in a position to trade up for a quarterback? What would it cost them? Pro Football Focus had their first mock draft. And, of course, you know, mock drafts. You'll have a mock draft. I'll have a mock draft. Danny's going to have a mock draft. Everyone's going to have a mock draft. I get it. But to get an idea, I have a finger on the pulse a little bit, An interesting idea for the Broncos. If they intend on making a big swing, we'll tell you what Pro Football Focus speculated next on My Life Sports. Small town Sandy Cuff and Sean Tar, Presented by Superbook Sports Download the Superbook app and start winning today at superbook.com Here's Sean and Sandy Well, it's funny you mentioned it, big voice guy Because uh, you can save even some more money How about this? They're changing the game over at Superbook Sports. Win some money this season with them, the most trusted name in sports gambling with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now when you use the promo code MILEHIGH, you score up to $250 with the first bet bonus. And that means win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code MILEHIGH. So, you know, do what that guy said. Download the Superbook Sports app, but then enter the promo code MILEHIGH and then you get $250 courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Denver Broncos have a situation in which they're trying to find a quarterback. We've talked about this. They're not going anywhere without one. You're in the AFC West where the best quarterback in football and arguably one of the best quarterbacks in history already at the age of 28 uh, is in Kansas City. He's not going anywhere. Justin Herbert is one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. Hasn't been able to put it all together, but now he gets... Sort of reclamation project expert slash quarterback whisperer, Jim Harbaugh, and I expect that turnaround to be pretty quick. The Broncos have Jared Stidham and Ben uh, I know Russell Wilson is technically on the team. If you if you happen to watch CB, uh, Colorado Sports Night last night on uh, on KWG on Channel Two, I jo- joined the Aaron Anderson last night, and Aaron will return the favor and join us tomorrow. But asked specifically about the ideas that Sean Payton talked about out in Las Vegas that, well, things are still uh, possibilities for Russell Wilson. I talked about that yesterday. No, that's not happening. And the idea that, you know, th- that maybe uh, Sean Payton said he hadn't even looked at the college quarterbacks yet, haven't even started that process. They're dissecting the end of the season. That's George Payton's job. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Okay, whatever. Sean Payton's already started that process. Well, the folks of Pro Football Focus, Sandy, believe that too. And in their first mock draft, they have the Denver Broncos picking second. Why second? Because they have them trading up to number two to pick up Drake May. The expense for this trade projected would be substantial. The Broncos would get the number two pick. They would give up the number 12 pick in the 2024 draft. They would also give up their first round picks in 2025 and 2026 their second round pick in 2025. And the funny thing is, it's not like they went pie in the sky in that projection because that is exactly, exactly the trade with the years being different that the San Francisco 49ers made to move up from 12 to three to get Trey Lance a couple of years ago. So you're talking about essentially the same cost. So, I actually do look at that and think that's probably realistic of what it would cost to move up there. There is no way on earth, put it this way, in my mind, that I am giving up that much to get Drake May. No I could earthly not, possibility.
1: I could not agree with you more. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't give that up for Caleb Williams. I'm not sold totally on Caleb Williams. I suspect the Bears are and I know Washington is. I would consider because it. They Caleb just Williams. hired right. Kingsbury yep. who was basically coaching and tutoring Williams last year at USC. Yes. So it, it, that whole hiring it, it tells you all you need to know about what Washington thinks about Caleb Williams. Now, obviously, Chicago and Washington can't both draft Caleb Williams. Some sort of settling will have to take place my thinking right now based on what i've heard what i've read is that chicago will hold on to the pick because they traded it last year remember right they'll hold on to it this year they'll draft williams they will trade fields to atlanta or pittsburgh and the team that doesn't get fields will get russell wilson makes a lot of sense okay that's my theory that is my working theory here on february 13th 2024. Two and a half months before the draft. Two and a half months before the draft. <laughs> that is my working theory on what will happen to Russell Wilson. What the Broncos do, I have no idea. But if you're giving all that up, I agree with you. Uh, if you're giving all that up, you've got to be in love with Drake May. And why anybody would be in love with Drake May, I don't to know. To that extent? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm, no I'm sorry. I'm I, I know that I'm in the minority on this all the national writers all the uh, mock draft uh, people are going uh, I saw uh, at the athletic site today uh, they had their top 100 prospects by the way number 100 was Pratt the Tulane quarterback right. that yeah. the Broncos seemed to like so much he was literally number 100 well that
0: would that would be the equivalent at least in the in the NFL draft as a high fourth rounder
1: yeah and the Broncos have a third round pick. Okay. And
0: a fairly high fourth round Now, whether you inning. think. I, I don't know. I don't you think mean. you're getting your franchise quarterback in the fourth round, uh, but that's me. No,
1: I don't think you're getting franchise quarterback in the third round, but. Probably if, not. If
0: they like
1: Pratt, or, well, they'd have to love Pratt to draft him. Uh, but it goes Williams number one. These are prospects at all positions. Right. Williams number one, May number four, Daniels number eight, McCarthy number 24. Knicks, number 37. Um, Pennix, number 57. Rattler, number 88 in South Carolina. And Pratt, number 100. That, that's how the eight quarterbacks are ranked. And Knicks is number five. Um, Knicks is rated as the 37th best prospect. Now, that doesn't mean
0: he'll be the 37th pick. No. As but a matter of fact, as a quarterback, it, it makes me it, think he's going to be a low it, first rounder. It, 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 quite frankly. Low or high? Uh,
1: dude, a, 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 ba-
0: a bare minimum, oh, I should say. Late uh, first round. Late first round. Late first yes. round. Yes. Maybe. He will be Maybe? Old, okay. I maybe. Quarterbacks maybe. go up.
1: The Broncos don't have a late first round
0: pick. No, they'd have to trade back. Uh, or just take him. At they 12. don't have a second round pick. At all. Nope. So That's the Sean where Payton pick.
1: I, I think where Nick should go is probably somewhere in the second round. Broncos don't have a second round pick. That's a. Dilemma. Yeah, and, and that's I think assuming go... they like Knicks, and I have no idea whether they like him, dislike him, love him, hate him, what, whatever. I have, I have no idea. I thought the scouting report on Knicks by the Athletic made sense to me. Uh, he, he does uh, have the record. He broke it this year. The FBS record for single season completion percentage at seventy seven point four. He completed at least 71% of his passes in all 14 games, so it didn't go up and down. I mean, he he was a high-completion guy no matter what. Uh, 6'1", 218, seems like a decent physique. A little loose with his technique. Uh, His eyes speed up uh, on him from time to time. But a good arm, uh, understands where to go with the ball, can move. Uh, I, I wouldn't call him a scrambler, but he can he can move. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just with May, I, I, it, it seems almost kind of groupthink now that he isn't Williams, but he's better than Daniels. I saw them both play this year, and I have no idea, no idea why. And I know. That the college game is still somewhat different from the program, although they're getting to be more similar. Right. But I'm I'm sorry for the life of me, I can't understand why people like May more than Daniels.
0: I, I just don't I, I can't it. either. And and the funny thing is the numbers actually bear that out. If you look at the games it, against top twenty-five teams over the course of their career, and the the quarterback rating, NCAA rating, and the rating is different in college than it is in the pros. Williams against top 25 opponents had a, a rating of 151.4, 31 touchdowns to eight picks, 64.3 completion percentage in his career. Jane Daniels was next at 147.2, 23 touchdowns, seven picks, 64.7% completion, slightly better. JJ McCarthy was next at 143.1, but 11 to four touchdowns, not 23 to seven or 31 to eight with Williams. Drake may behind McCarthy, but interestingly, uh, but ahead of Knicks, yeah. May 137.6, Knicks 130. May 16 touchdowns and five interceptions against top 25, but a completion percentage of only 58.5, the lowest of the five quarterbacks. Knicks, 31 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. That's a lot of interceptions. A lot of picks. but tied for the most uh, touchdowns, a completion percentage of 61.81. I just don't see in in Drake May's resume I, i'm, I'm not sure he's
1: better than mccarthy
0: i'm not sure he's better than mccarthy Knicks. or nicks me either or necessarily yeah. even penix and, and think about this when you talk about those games against the top 25 teams williams and daniels played 14 in their careers may has played six yeah well he played in the acc and so you've only seen him in six games against right. NFL level competition. Right. And in those, he completed fifty eight point six percent of his passes. And he, he was fine. But I'm but not I'm not trading. Well, no, I, I don't I'm see not it. Trading
1: up to, to the second no. spot. And, and, and overall, the one the quarterback in him. the last and
0: I'm not saying I'm some sort of quarterback guru, but the, the one quarterback that I that I really missed on in the last ten years is Justin Herbert. And what you're hearing more A lot and more is the do. idea that Drake do. May is can be the next Justin Herbert. Drake May's numbers in college pale in comparison to what Justin Herbert were. The competition that Drake May faced pales in the competition to what Justin mm-hmm. Herbert's were. The numbers pay. I mean, all of it. And I'm supposed to believe that he's the next Justin Herbert because I guess he's smart and he's also 6'5". I am not giving up three first-round picks to find out. If I'm the Broncos, I'm a little more bullish on Caleb Williams, though I think there is a decent chance that he is not a franchise quarterback in this league, enough that I would be very reticent in giving up three first-round picks. I would at least consider it. I like Jaden Daniels. I'm not giving up three firsts and a second for Jaden Daniels. I'm not giving up three firsts and a second for Drake May. I'm not. I, I'm of the belief for the Broncos in this draft if and probably when Bo Nix and Penix and McCarthy all land in their lap at 12. Pick one of them and roll with it. Do your scouting on those three guys because one of those threes for sure is going to be available. Probably all three. Stay right where you are and pick the one you believe in the most. And that's what right before uh I left for Vegas that we had the discussion with Brian Billick and his, his argument was the same. If the quarterback you like is there, don't get cute. Don't trade back and worry about, well, we'll game the draft and steal an extra pick. If you think one of those is the guy, just pick him and let the Mel Kuyper juniors, of the world say that it was a C plus pick because Mel Kuyper junior isn't getting fired. If that guy doesn't work out, you are Sean Payton's case, probably not getting fired, but if he picks a guy at 12, your wagon gets hitched to that guy. Oh, yeah. And no doubt. No doubt. That's why, Sandy, I, my working theory, here we are two and a half months from the draft, the Broncos won't walk away with Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Bo Nicks, Michael Pennish Jr., or J.J. McCarthy. They're not going to pick any single one of them because Sean Payton has to wear the collar if they're bad. He's going to go grab a Jameis Winston or a, or veteran that he can rely on to have a certain floor and build from there. We'll see. Obviously, the draft is still a ways away.
1: Well, I want to just quickly support most all of that. I think there are going to be, in this off season coming up, maybe more NFL storylines than we've ever seen, and I mean ever, Given the nature of media now, mm-hmm. and the fact that uh, the Super Bowl drew 123.4 million viewers, that is far and away a record. It's up seven percent over the previous record. Not a Super which Bowl was record. Set last a record year. for
0: television. Most, television. Television. Most watched program Most in the history. Of program television. in the history of half Two
1: hundred two and a half million people watched at least part of the game. That is also a record. There'll be more storylines than ever. One of those many storylines will be Russell Wilson, to be sure what happens to Russell Wilson. Does Russell Wilson have a second act? So on and so forth. Another one of those storylines is going to be Sean Payton getting in the Broncos, uh, you know, into the, the kind of the place where it's all on him now. You know, last year you could say, "Ah, eh, there's a carryover," and you know you can't expect a guy to turn everything around from five and twelve to a playoff team in a few short. But if your decision months, cost
0: the team the most dead cap money in the history of the NFL by right.
1: twice the biggest, right. Now it's on you. Now you've got to make the playoffs in 2024. To me, to me, and they won't. The do that. heat is on Peyton. Not that if he doesn't make the playoffs this year, he will be fired. But his reputation, which I don't think took the kind of hit it should have taken for the way he mishandled the Wilson situation this year. But it will take a hit next year if the Broncos don't make the playoffs, and I don't care who plays quarterback for them. If they don't make the playoffs next year, but that supports your argument that he's not going to cast his lot with Bo Nix or Penix or... Drake May, or any of these guys, he's going to go with a guy who has shown signs, however, fleeting in the past, of being a team that could take a club to the playoffs without necessarily an abundance of surrounding talent.
0: It will be fascinating to see, of course, draft, like we said, another two and a half months away. Uh, Big news in the local broadcast scene is one of Colorado's own leaves the state but congratulations are in order more than sadness we'll talk about that next on Miley Sports well
2: i put a skirt on a whip and a crown on a six but there's don't no need to dress up the numbers hey hey yeah but i guess they must have their reasons they want to know how i'm living my day to day life in the regular season well summer all i did was rest okay and new year's all i did was stack
0: This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Danny Bailey setting things up uh, very subtly there in the booth as he does. And uh, I will do it less so because on tomorrow we have our Wellness Wednesdays with Dr. Rick Pere, And of course, uh, you have a couple words to say about the good doctor. He does uh, have uh,
1: much to recommend him. He's uh, one of the premier performance psychologists in America and yes you get your checkup from the neck up on wellness wednesday every wednesday afternoon here on my High sports radio at 5:30 uh, we do a podcast on a weekly basis and uh, of course uh, paris credentials are uh, unsurpassed former psychologist at the world champion denver broncos back in 2015 shortly thereafter with the rockies as they were embarking on a two-year run to the playoffs in 17 and 18 and he has worked with the world champion denver nuggets as well but most importantly dr p helps middle and high school performers to reach peak levels so whether an everyday performer at work at play or at school Call Dr. P today at 720-287-0933. That's 720-287-0933. Or look them up at Dr. P at thinkone4u.org. That's thinkone4u.org.
0: Well, we let you know if it's your show as well. Uh, 303-831-1340 is the call and text line. And Danny Bailey's always monitoring that for the creme de la creme. And uh, you found one of those as well, Danny? Yep, this one here uh, from Cuban Benny. Last thing I want is Bronx to trade the farm for second to fourth best rookie QB. Has Peyton ever developed a rookie QB? Breeze was already annoying in SD. Well, I actually have that number for you. Sean Payton has coached 275 career games, playoffs, and regular season. He has started a rookie quarterback in one of them. Ian Book, that's it. So the answer to your question is no. Uh, Sean Payton has not even come close to developing a rookie quarterback. I think one human go- Benny, that was rhetorical. Yeah. Work. Yeah. Yeah. But uh but but a, a good one to bring up as we talk about this right. and we'll talk about this, especially Sean Payton said it before. Confidence is demonstrated ability. There is no demonstrated ability that Sean Payton has ever been able to develop a rookie quarterback. It no. doesn't yeah. mean that he can't. It just it's just means that he has by to- his own definition, you shouldn't have confidence it- in it. He's not at this point. Uh, Great news and well-deserved. Colorado is sort of renowned for its pioneering spirit and one of its own uh, forged her own brand-new trail on Tuesday. Jenny Kavnar, longtime broadcaster with the Rockies since the 2012 season, will head to, at least temporarily, Oakland, which is on its way to Las Vegas, to become the first. Although Las Vegas mayor didn't seem all that keen last week on the prospect. Well, the location of the Stadium plan where the current Tropicana is isn't necessarily the best fit traffic-wise. There's some uh, there's some wiggling, but it's one of the worst fits. Actually. If there's one city that finds a way to get things done, it's Las Vegas, mm-hmm. but uh, Jenny Kavnar moving on to join the A's, but not in the role she's in. No, no, no. Uh, you heard her here just a couple weeks ago. She will be the first woman to ever be the primary play-by-play announcer for a major league baseball team when she takes over for the A's this spring, congratulations to Jenny, of course, the Smokey Hill High School, at Colorado State University, and uh, obviously been uh, here since 2012. She spent 18 of her 20 years in broadcasting on baseball, but also branching out. We saw calling some uh, CU Absolutely. women's basketball. Very capable. Extremely capable, extremely talented. But now uh, there's something about being first, and I wrote about this on MileHighSports.com today, uh, as I'm trying to you know, put together a, the right headline and the right story for it, and in the end, I'm like, "It's I'm overthinking it. There's only one first. There's only ever one first, and she's the first woman to ever be the play-by-play announcer for a Major League Baseball team, and that's a remarkable accomplishment. She will not be the last? No, but in our opinion, she should be the first,
1: because she is uh, extremely Extremely well qualified. She has done play-by-play for baseball well, with she, the Rockies, Rockies from time to time. Yep,
0: 2018. So she became it, the first woman to even call that, a single game in 25 right. years. That's right.
1: And, uh, but, but not the first. Just the first in a long, long time, quarter right. century. But, but no one's Al ever had, had the, be job, the First, the regular right. play-by-play voice of of the Oakland A's. And if you go back far enough in Oakland A's broadcast history. You'll find that uh, for a short period of time, one Harry Carey Mm -hmm. was the lead broadcaster for the Oakland A's. Uh, They had a bunch of excellent play-by-play men. Remember, they're uh, they're perhaps too young, but I do remember in the the World Series, when the World Series carried by NBC, uh, it would be Gowdy and Kubek, yes, but they'd have the local announcers involved for the home games uh, and during the early 70s the the A's were in three straight World Series right. won them all right 72 73 74 and so their people were and they were very very good even though the franchise, even back then with great teams, couldn't draw a million fans.
0: Right. In, in and then let's be honest with what's happening in Oakland. Oakland's been more or less tanking to try to get out of town, and then that it will be successful. Uh, Jenny Kavner said in a statement, it's a dream come true to join the broadcast team for the Oakland A's and their rich baseball history, growing up the daughter of a baseball coach. I've loved the game from a young age, along with the stories, history, and relationships the game provides. I'm excited to start my 18th season as a major league broadcaster with my good friend Dallas Braden and share our experiences yep. with the loyal fans of the athletics. As we go on this ride together, Braden will be the the color a- analyst for Jenny is the play-by-play situation. And, and uh, obviously, that's pretty exciting. You know, they have to... You're going to have to build um, whatever they build in that stadium. They're going to need some fountains (laughs) because, I mean, I think she gets to take the call with her, right? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, they they better build something that she can go ahead and and keep the fire up the fountains call when she uh, made that move up in 2018. If you'd like to go. We just had
1: Jenny on a few weeks ago. We'll get her on again before the baseball
0: season And uh, if you want to go check it out, go to MyLifeSports.com, an interview that I conducted with her actually shortly after she had that game in which he made the call and going back and looking through it today sort of eerily prescient this path was always oh, in the offing for her yep. it is well deserved we could not be happier uh, for Jenny Kavnar to be able to take that role we'll certainly miss her here in the old 303 but it's well deserved and you know what it's going to be in Vegas eventually it won't be that far after all so uh, congratulations to Jenny Kavnar on a extraordinary accomplishment Uh, Only one person ever gets to be the first. That is special. But as you pointed out, she will not be the last. Thanks to Ryan Blackburn for joining us today. Of course, to talk about the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets, after losing last night, will try to right the ship tomorrow against a, well, pretty dangerous Sacramento Kings team. We will see. The Avalanche with a good start yes. thus far against yes. the Capitals. We'll see how that shakes out. We'll talk about Taves
1: and Colton have given them a two nothing lead. We go.
0: We'll talk about it tomorrow. Uh, I'll break it all down, and we'll have Arn Anderson from Fox Thirty One joining us to talk about all of it as we also get into a little bit more football. Because yeah, I know, I know, the Broncos are back on the quarterback train. Some of you masochists are excited about that, but. uh... <laughs> You'll enjoy the next six weeks, uh, I suppose. But uh, we'll work. You th- we'll, we'll hold your hand through it. We get it. That's what we do. Danny Bailey's the man in the booth making everything work. Sandy Clough on my left. I'm Sean Drotar. The Denver music scene comes up next because we handle everything over here at My Life Sports. We'll step away, but we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Keep it right here. It's My Life Sports.